Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. We are so glad that you're with us tonight. We're going to continue our series. Our series is titled, Can We Just Talk? Can We Just Talk? And it's a series talking about relationships. And last weekend, we got to hear from our very own Ross Bryant, a man that we know and love, uh, an incredible preacher. Was he not? My goodness. He spoke a powerful word last weekend on singleness. And how singleness is not equate to aloneness and how God has a very special purpose in your singleness. Am I right? Shout out single people. God's using you in a powerful way. And tonight we're talking about marriage. Marriage. Man, I am so excited about a conversation on marriage. Specifically, we're going to be talking about roles in marriage. And so I have a a question for you. When is the best time to learn how to fly a plane? On the ground. Shout out to this incredibly smart person, Emily. We love you. Thank you. Yes, on the ground. You never want to be mid-flight and hear the pilot say, where's the manual? You know, that's you are already in in a really bad place. So Uh, I believe for the single people in the house tonight, when you're thinking, okay, we're having a conversation on marriage, but what does this have to do with me? I think this is the best possible time of your life to learn what the Bible has to say about a biblical and healthy marriage. Am I right? Okay. Now let's talk to the married people in the house tonight. It's never too late. It's never too late. You're 10 years in, you're 20 years in, 30 years in. It's never too late. I would say that if you're a married person in the house tonight, where is my married, married uh, couple here that would say they figured everything out? Where they got it all together? Come on now. No way. We are learning. We're going to be celebrating 10 years. Shout out. Known each other uh, over 15, but we're going to be celebrating 10 years married coming up, which is huge. And let me just tell you, we are figuring it out, people. So it is never too late to dive in to see what God's Word has to say about a husband and a wife and the roles that they have together. I want to let you know tonight that everything that we discuss is for our good and God's glory. We believe that as far as marriage goes, the best possible place that we could look to see how to have a healthy marriage is God's Word. It was His idea. He created it. He created male. He created female. I think it would be best for us to look to his word as our authority on how we can have the best possible marriage. Anybody believe that in the house tonight? I also want to state some facts tonight about men and women. Before we dive deep into this, role, this conversation on roles, I want to state some facts. And I may just spit on you if you're in the front row, okay? Some facts. Men and women are equal. Men and women are equal. Get a shout out in the house tonight. There is not one greater than the other. There is not one less than than the other. We are equal in the eyes of God. We are sons and daughters of the king. 
I also want to acknowledge and recognize that men and women have unique personalities, gifts, and abilities. When I say unique, I'm not saying that men are aggressive and women are passive. That's what I'm saying like we have some aggressive men and women in the house, some passive men and women in the house, okay? We have different personalities, we have different giftings, and we have different abilities in the house. I believe that as men and women, I think we're going to celebrate our uniqueness, and it's gonna, we're going to make that a really big deal, and we're going to love that about each other. And then also, I want to say one final thing. Men and women are equally called and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Men and women are equally called and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Women didn't get the good gifts, and here we are, men over here like, oh, man, if only God would have give, empowered me like he empowered her. No, 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 no. I believe that God equally empowers men and women the same. So, and then at the very end of our conversation tonight, we're going to talk about roles found uh, in Ephesians. I'm so excited. Wife is going to be talking about that here in just a second, which I'm with my wife, by the way. Aren't, aren't you glad she's on stage with me today? Y'all get to hear, you get to hear all the wisdom that I preach straight from the words of the mouth right here in my wife. Uh, but we're going to leave the last 10 minutes of our talk tonight for questions and response, questions and answers. So we're going to put a number live. on the screen, and this is live. We're doing it live, okay? We don't know the questions. You're going to submit the questions, and they're going to pop up on the screen, and we're going to answer them to the best of our abilities. And to the best of our ability, we're going to point back to God's Word and see what He has to say about it. Yeah, we're so excited about this tonight, but before we just jump in, we want to jump into Scripture because we truly believe that the Word of God is living and active. So if you're single tonight, if you're married, man, if you've been through a divorce, we believe that God's Word can speak directly to you tonight. 100%. So if you have your, the Bible with you tonight, you can turn to Ephesians 5, verse 22, and a little bit of context behind this Scripture. The Apostle Paul is writing this Scripture to the church in Ephesus. And in, in Ephesians 1, 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will to the faithful saints right. in Christ Jesus That's at right. Ephesus. And truly this passage that we're gonna unpack tonight is for the saints. Okay. And what that means is the believers in the house That's tonight. Right. And if you're, you know, if you've, you haven't stepped over, you're walking into the building for the first time or for the 10th time, and you're on the journey to faith, man, we, we, we honor you and we see you, we value that you're here and you're leaning into your journey of faith. But you know what? Some of the things that we talk about tonight, you may not fully understand. And that's okay, because we do believe God's word is living and active, and it can speak to you tonight, and he can take you from death to life tonight. Do we Amen. believe that? Amen. Okay, come on, let's dive in. Ephesians 5, verse 22 to 33. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Come on, wives, let's go. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no other one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, 
just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is the mystery. This, I'm sorry, this mystery is profound, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So to sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful for this space and this time. We feel honored that we get to come together as believers in a free country and we get to worship your name. We get to preach your word and your truth. So Jesus, as the word goes forth tonight, will it accomplish the purpose for which you have for it? We know when your word is spoken, your spirit moves. And so, Jesus, to the ones who are married, to the ones who are single, to the ones who that have been through broken relationships or that are going through that now, Jesus, we ask that you would break some chains tonight, that you would open some eyes to see how marriages can be healthy and whole. Would we lean in tonight? Because when we know when you speak, we leave changed. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of tonight's message is, I Need You. I need you. I need you. No, I need you. See what's happening here. It's working. Now, tonight, uh, the title of the message is I Need You. And uh, I'm going to start off and I'm going to be uh, presenting what God's Word has to say about the role of spirit filled wives. And I'm going to give three specific roles that we see in Scripture for a spirit filled wife. And then my spirit-filled wife is going to give you three specific roles of a spirit-filled husband, all from Scripture. Does that sound good? So let's kick it off with the first role that we see in Scriptures for a spirit-filled... And why am I saying a spirit-filled wife? Well, first of all, we see that in uh, this book of Ephesians, it's talking to the saints. So we see that these are followers and believers of Christ. But then if we reverse back to the beginning of this chapter, we're going to see that Jesus is actually teaching us how how to have... uh, Paul is actually trying to teach us how to have a spirit-filled home. A spirit-filled home. And in chapter 5, you're going to see the outline kind of follows like this. He teaches us to be joyful. He teaches us to be grateful. And then he teaches us to be submissive. All, while, all the while, Christ, he's trying to teach us how to have a spirit-filled home. And a spirit-filled home is made up of a spirit-filled husband and a spirit-filled wife. And hopefully some spirit-filled children. Amen? Hey. So the first role that we see in Scripture of a spiritual wife is helper. Helper. And we see this in Genesis 2, verse 18. It says this Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. Now, this is after the God of the universe had created everything that we know and see and love in the universe today. I mean, the stars, the heavens, the oceans, I mean, everything beautiful that we love today, the animals. He says it's good. He created, it's good, it's good. Man, oh man, created man, it's good. He's looking at the man and he is saying, this is not good. It is not good that man should be alone. And so what does he say? I'm going to create a helper for him. And I think that uh, for, maybe it's your upbringing or maybe it's how you've been preached this text before in the past, or maybe it's just this idea of helper, but I think for 
a lot of the ladies in the room, you may think to yourself, well, I don't want to be the helper. That sounds like a less than role. I want to be the leader. I don't want to be the helper. Well, I want to uh, pull the pin out of a grenade, and I want to throw it into that mindset, that perspective, and I just wanted to just explode all over the place, is that I am not talking about a helper as being anything less than. We already set the ground rules in the beginning of our conversation to say that men and women are equal, equal with one another, equal in the sight of God. So I'm not saying that helper is less than or best than. I'm saying that helper, God has given us the specific roles, women, as a helper. You want to uh, hear something amazing? That word helper in Scripture is aitzer. Aitzer. It's E-Z-E-R. Let's just say ezer. That's a Hebrew word in Scripture. It's mentioned 20 times in the Old Testament alone. 19 of those 20 times that that specific word is mentioned, it's referring to God. To God. The only time that it's not talking about God is when it's talking about a woman. So to say that helper is less than is to say that God is less than. It's almost like God was saying, I want to express myself through women as helper. Isn't that beautiful? So why, why, would, we, why would we say, oh, I don't want to be helper? Also, um, wanna ask, I want to ask a question. I want to give you something to think about as the helper. It's not just how can I help, but I want to bring some deeper meaning to it of what I believe the Scripture is trying to say, and it's this question to, for, to, for you to consider. How can you come alongside and bring strength and life to your husband as a helper? How can you come along and bring strength and life to your husband? And I want to, I jotted down some ways that my wife, my helper, who I love, has come alongside me and has provided strength and life to me as her husband. Some of the ways I have experienced this is when she speaks potential over my life and doesn't speak to my pitfalls. She's being a helper in my life. Or when she speaks to who I am and who God says I am and not how I feel in that moment. Uh, I get in my headspace pretty quick and start to think a lot of negative things over my life. Very quickly, I can go from I'm the best father to the worst father. I'm the best husband to the worst husband. I'm a good employee. I'm a terrible employee. But I love my helper who always speaks to who God says that I am, who she, who she sees that I am, and the future and the potential in my life. When she remains steadfast in the middle of storms, whenever I'm being tossed all over the waves, and when she prays for wisdom, and she trusts in the Holy Spirit to lead and guide me as her husband. Those are ways that I've seen my wife be a spirit-filled wife and a helper. Think about the idea of, of being called a helper. Have you ever been in any situation in your life? Any situation. Let's say work, and somebody comes up to you and says, can I help you? Have you ever thought to yourself in that moment when somebody walks up to you and says, hey, uh, I see that you're working on this thing. Can I help you? Have you ever thought to yourself, so weak. You're so, you're so small. How dare you help me? No. When somebody comes up to you in, in a moment 
uh, of struggle and says, hey, can I help you? You say, yes, I need you. Where have you been all my life? Please help her. Come alongside and let's do this together. I believe there's a saying that says behind, and this is a terrible saying, so I'm just going to, this is a terrible saying. Behind uh, every uh, great man is a God-fearing woman. I say behind every God-fearing man is a helper walking alongside him, helping him, pushing him forward to be a God-fearing man. He's not behind him. It's beside him. It's the helper. Let's move it on. First is the, the role is the helper. Uh, and I want, this is the last thing I want to say about being a helper. Being a helper is not thinking less of yourself. But thinking of yourself less. Being a helper is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Being a helper is being selfless, showing selfless love toward your spouse. Second thing is submission. And this is found in Ephesians 5, 22. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, I know in a room this size, I know that there's a lot of people who just intrinsically just cringe at the idea of submission. I submit to no one, you know? I, I made myself. I got myself this far. No, one, no one's going to tell me what to do. And I think a lot of that has to come with our upbringing, our mindset, maybe our personality. But, but I, I want to speak to uh, maybe some of the thoughts that you might have towards that word or that idea of submission. Submission is not servitude. Submission is not, welcome, uh, husband, I am now your slave. Would you like a refill? Okay? This is what a lot of times we think when we think of the idea of submission. It's not servitude. And maybe, maybe you saw this in your mom and how she responded to her dad. If you grew up in a home where submission was taught and heavy-handed, and this is what it's supposed to look like, and you thought to yourself, I never want to end up like my mom. She was bossed around. She was this. I want to tell you that is not biblical submission. There was a, uh, a moment recently, my wife is, has done an incredible job at following the biblical example of uh, submission in the household uh, where I wanted to go somewhere and I wanted to do something. I felt called to something. And, uh, and usually, I mean, I speak it pretty specific and pretty clear like, hey, we're going, baby, because uh, Faith is one of my number one gifts. So I'm like, we're jumping out of the airplane. Where's the chute? I don't know. God's bringing the chute. It's a miracle. And uh, can you see it? And, uh, and she was really great about, she's always done a really great job about just kind of, you know, you know, having that uh, Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit looks a lot like your spouse sometimes. And she'll have a Holy Spirit voice in your life where she'll say, um, hey, I, um, I love that idea. You're such a big vision guy. You know, just my wife is just honoring me the whole time. You're such a big vision guy. You're so full of faith. Uh, have you prayed about that? I was like, duh. Pray about everything. Why are you coming at me? Uh, no, I, I, I thought that. I didn't. I may have. I, I think, I, yeah, I prayed. I prayed. So did you fast? Did you commit to prayer? Have we prayed about it? No, no, no. So... You got me on that one. But my wife, I mean, this has been true in our entire marriage before we've ever made big decisions, before we've ever uh, moved, before we did anything significant in our life whatsoever. It's just, she's always that, that voice in my head. She's never saying, like, if you go that way, you're going alone. 
That's never been her attitude. She's always had this very gentle, very humble, submissive presence to say, no, I'm with you, but have you thought about this? Have you prayed about this? Can we commit to getting into the word of God together on this matter? If you say we'll go, we'll go. But in first, can we do this? Is, doesn't that sound so much better? This idea of submission, I think we get wrong because I think we think that it's like our husband first, and then if God approves of what our husband says, then we'll do it. I think that's a jack way to think. Can you say that? Yeah. I think that is, that is not biblical. So we see here in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Our primary responsibility is submission to God. There's an order to this thing, and that's in both of our relationships. If you believe that healthy marriages are made up of healthy individuals, then it has to start with your primary relationship being God. I submit to God. I surrender to God. I walk in relationship to God. And then, and then secondly, you know, I submit to my spouse, and I love my spouse, and I respect myself. But there's an order to this thing. What about husbands that don't lead well and don't obey God's word? What do you do then? How, as a, as a wife, and you're here in the room and you're like, my husband doesn't lead well, so what does that mean for me? I want to give you not what I think about it. I want to give you what God word, God's word has to say about that specific situation. It's found in 1 Peter. You can write this down, go study it later, but it's found in 1 Peter chapter 3. He specifically acknowledges this, and this is what he says. In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, to your own husbands, own, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over without a word by the way their wives live. As a wife who you feel isn't leading well, isn't obeying well, isn't in God's word well, and these are two, these are, I'm talking about two believers right now, do you think that you demeaning or criticizing or authoritating over your husband is going to draw him in to a love relationship with God? goes on to say, when they observe your pure, reverent lives, don't let your beauty consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry or fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women put their hope in God, also adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Small L. Don't call your husband's Lord. You have become her children when you do what is good and do not fear intimidation. And you're saying, hold on a second. That sounds off. You're telling me that my gentle, pure, and quiet, reverent spirit is going to win my husband over to want to love and serve the Lord? I want to tell you what. That sounds a lot like the gospel to me. It says in Romans 2, 4, it says, Or do you not despise the riches of his kindness, restraint, and patience, not recognizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance, his patience, his love. Now, how do we submit to our husbands? Is it duty or delight? I want to encourage you tonight that it should be delight, not out of duty, delight in obeying what God's word has to say about this idea and this role surrounding submission. Also, if you look back just a few verses later, uh, this passage is often preached starting in verse 22. Submit, submit, submit. And it's true. But guess what's also true? Verse 21. 
What happens in verse 21? It says, submitting to one another in fear of Christ. So guys, you thought you were off the hook. Everything we're talking about tonight, as far as submitting, as far as love, as far as respect, as far as all of these things towards one another, we do that to each other. But I'm talking specifically as to what God's word is calling out as primary roles and specific functions as of a husband or a wife. So I'm going to submit. There's been times where, I, where she says something, and I'm like, you got it, babe. But at the end of the day, my wife does a really good job at adhering to what the scriptures has to say about this idea of submission. Now, I want to say this, and then I'm going to move on. What about abuse? Some of you here today, and there's enough people here in the room that you either have been in a serious relationship where there's abuse or a marriage where there is abuse, or you are currently in a situation or marriage where there is abuse. And so when you hear me up here talking about submit, submission to your husband and what that looks like, and you're saying, man, I, am, I, I don't understand. How do I do that while I am being abused verbally, physically abused? And I, I, I wrote this down. I want to say this as clearly as I can. So, so hear this tonight. If you are living in an abusive situation, it is not God's desire or design that you remain in that situation. You should seek immediate help to remove yourself from that situation and find biblical counsel to guide you through healing and a decision-making process. And as best as we can, we commit as Pinewood Church to walk with you through that process, to seek your safety first, and to get the healing and the counseling that you need to make it through. Get out. Tell somebody and let us help you. And then the very last thing is respect. Now, I'm not going to stay here long because we're actually, this is a two-part sermon. This is, we're, we're diving into some deep stuff here. And this is a much bigger conversation. So we're going to save respect for next week. But I do want to say this about respect. The people that are closest to you in your life, they have the greatest potential to either bring death or life to you. To either bring the greatest amount of honor or the greatest amount of destruction on your life. And who is closer to us than a spouse? They know everything about your life. You are literally one in every way. And I love this passage in Proverbs 12.4. It says, a, a wife a noble, of noble character is her husband's crown. Mm, it's beautiful. But a wife who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. We'll talk more about that next weekend. Okay, where's my men in the house? <laughs> Man, I'm excited to get to talk to the men. This is fun. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Uh, man, I'm so excited because you know what? We, we believe in the men of this house. That's right. Come on. We believe in their leadership. Amen. We believe in their potential. Amen. That's right. We believe that God's going to take you somewhere, that he's not going to leave you right where you are. Man, that he's going to teach you and show you how to be the, the man in your house that God's calling you to be. Because, right. right, that can feel pretty weighty. That's a weight. In Ephesians, it talks about in verse 23, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of the body. I mean, God refers you as he refers himself to the church. 
And, you know, let me just, like, pull back the curtain a little bit. When we were engaged, good times, babe. Marriage is better. Marriage is so much better. Um, We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, (laughs) um, Okay, now I lost my train of thought. I just, like, went to the end of our sermon. (laughs) Um, But so excited about, um, let me, like, get back on track here because, totally lost my train of thought. Oh, when we were engaged. When we were engaged, thank you. When we were engaged, um, I remember very vividly this, um, you know, this, this heated conversation, right? Like heated, a little bit, heated conversation um, surrounding what it looks like to lead me, right? <laughs> like that, because it's all about you in some seasons, which is not, that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, but for me, as we were engaged, I'm just processing through what does it look like for a man to lead me. As I'm going, you know, I'm about to, I'm about to marry this man, um, and we're figuring things out. And, and truly what I was allowing it to become was a checklist. Okay, if he does this, if he prays with me every day, if he opens the word of God with me every day, if he takes me to church every Sunday, if he whispers words of affirmation in my ear, check, 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 then he's leading me well in my home. And what I quickly found out was that was not the case. <laughs> because as we all know, when you have a checklist, it's easy to fail that. And I think that there's a lot, in the, a lot of people in the room tonight that are going through that checklist, whether you're single or married. And women, one, are putting that pressure on our men, or two, the men are putting that pressure on themselves, that if I can just live up to this checklist, then I will be leading my house well. But I want to propose three ideas tonight in talking about what it looks like to be the headship of your home. And how God has taken some veils, lifted some veils, some scales, if you want to call it, off of my eyes to really show me what it looks like for Parker to lead our home without a checklist. Can we go there tonight? So, so <laughs> Come on. So first we're going to just talk about leadership. And I think that the first thing that comes to my mind when we, when we talk about leadership is Jesus was the greatest leader. We have the greatest example in scripture of the greatest leader that ever walked the earth. And if you're new to this tonight and you're trying to figure it out, I just want to tell you the best is ahead when you say yes to Jesus. Man, it's not behind you. It's before you. He wants to lean in and show you what leadership looks like. He wants to show you your potential. He wants to show you that he's not going to leave you alone, that there's no to-do list that comes with leading your home, that he is calling you to it, and he's going to walk with you in it. So serving, not dictating. Leadership is serving, not dictating. Man, the universal language of serving or of love is serving. I mean, we've traveled to a lot of different countries, and the one thing that is universal that we how we can love each other is through serving. The greatest imagery of all times was when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And I love this so much because how many times can we get it in our minds? Men, not well, same, but I'm talking to the men tonight. How many times can you get it in your mind that you can fix it? Right? Any fixers in the house tonight? 
I know you're a fixer. Come on. You can speak to that. (laughs) Um, I love that. But I think it's so easy to fix a solution rather than to serve a solution. And Jesus did that when he washed the disciples' feet. He didn't say, let me go fix the dirt path. He said, you know what? Come to me. I'm just going to wash your feet. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. You're not called to be the solution. You're called to be the servant. And when we're leading and we're leaning into Jesus to really understand what leadership looks like in our home, I think we look to serving. That's right. We look to say, you know what, how can I, I put them above myself? How can I serve and love them? Not dictatorship, not I'm the headship of the home. Here we go. Follow me. I'm going this way. But to serve and to do it in a loving way. Man, God didn't call the husband to leave with an iron fist, but hands to serve. God didn't call the man to lead with a book of rules, but the word of the Lord. And women, we can trust a man who's trusting the Lord. So many times I have to step back and I say, and the Lord convicts me to say, do you trust me? Because if you trust me in him, you can follow him. If you can trust me in him, you can follow him. And I do. And so many times I want to get in the way and I have to step back and say, you know what? I trust the God that is in him, that he can speak greater things to come in him, can speak conviction, can speak correction. And now I'm talking to the women. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. God didn't call men to lead by putting women down, but by building them up. That's good. Amen. Right? Don't we sometimes view leadership of going puffing ourselves up? But what we know about leadership is building up and saying, you know, I'm going to put her first. I'm going to build her up. I'm going to call her to her potential. I'm going to call her into her purpose. I'm going to serve her in that capacity. I'm not going to leave her alone. And calling her up versus dictating, speaking down. Man, I'm so thankful God trumped my idea of leadership in the home because his way is always better. His his way is always right. And what I came to find was that it was a joy to watch and learn Parker's leadership in our home. I got to watch him love me. I got to watch him serve me. I get to watch him love our children. I get to watch him do these things and step back and say, wow, that's it. Like, I get to watch his life. I get to watch how he leads, how he leans into the word of God, how he leans into scripture, how he prays for me, how he prays for our family. And I can say, I can trust that leadership. Because on the solid rock is his foundation. And this idea, too, we talked about this a lot as we were planning You know, we all know that healthy relationships are built on healthy individuals. And and ladies, if you're waiting for the man to lead you to Jesus, man, you got to step it up. Because it is not his job to lead me to Jesus. My healthy relationship with Jesus is going to draw our relationship closer. He doesn't replace Jesus in my life. Amen. Nor is it his job to lead me in my quiet walk with the Lord. It's that diagram you've seen that as as a man and a woman, 
draw closer, if God's up here, draw closer to God, they draw closer to each other. So I'm going to just shout that out to someone in the room tonight, that if if you're looking for a healthy relationship, step it up. Step up your walk with Jesus. Step up your trust and faith in Jesus and just watch how God grows you guys together. The next thing is, oh, I'm sorry, that's the back side of my page. Here we go. Um, Sacrifice. I think leadership looks like sacrifice. It looks like putting the other one before yourself. It looks like saying, you know what? What God did for us, I mean, you may be saying tonight, you don't, know, you don't know my situation. You don't know my wife. You don't know my, my life. It's messy. And to say, I'm going to put someone else, bef- this person before me, that's scary. That seems wrong. But you know what? God calls men to lead as he leads the church. And do you know how he, Jesus led us? He died for us. He gave sacrificially of his life, and he said, you know what, despite you, despite what you did, despite your sin, I'm going to sacrificially give. And there's no end there. So for the one that's feeling hopeless in their marriage, or the one that's saying, you know what, I've tried X, Y, Z, I've tried these things, I've tried, you know, the woman submitting, the man leading, don't give up. Jesus didn't give up on us. Pray. Keep leaning in. God wants to do a work. I believe that in your marriage. Because, man, we didn't deserve that. We didn't deserve that from Christ. So keep leaning in. Keep speaking potential over your marriage. Keep speaking hope and life. God's going to do something. I'm believing that for someone in the room tonight. God's going to do something. Sacrifice looks like laying down your preference for her purpose, your desires for her destiny. And this word that kept coming to mind as we both were just talking about these different roles, it's so much of a posture. When you talk about submission, when you're talking about sacrifice, when you're talking about being a helper, because the reality is, you know, there there's certain roles that God calls a man and a woman too, but the reality is it happens both ways. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not leading in some capacity. There's not a day that goes by that he's not submitting in some capacity or being my helper in some capacity. So it's the posture in which you're looking at these roles. The posture of seeing how Jesus handles his people in the church as Ephesians 5 talks about. And he says, you know what? I love you. I gave myself for you. And that's a posture. The last thing is love. And guys, we all know this is a mystery. (laughs) How to love our wives. I say love our wives because I'm talking to men. Um, Right? Am am I right that it's a mystery? Shake your head if you're married. (laughs) The greatest mystery of all times is you going to unlock the secret of what it looks like to love your wife. Always and changing. I can say that. It's always changing. <laughs> Just when you think you know, you oh, don't man. know. Bless, bless <laughs> Parker's heart. So we've gone through a really hard year this past year. And um, 
it was just a lot of different seasons of ups and downs, a lot of hard conversations, a lot of conversations of me just an emotional basket case. And Parker, um, bless him, is, was just trying to love me really well. And I'm like, you just don't see me. I'm hurt, like, I'm hurting. You don't love me. And, you know, he did. I am just was emotional in these seasons. But he's going, man, I'm trying this and I'm trying that. Like, just tell me what to do. <laughs> And you may be sitting in that tonight, but you're called to it. You're called not to give up in loving. You're called to figure it out. It's an endless pursuit of loving. And we're going to talk about, you know, five love languages next week. We're going to dive hard into that and figure out and trying to understand each other and different personalities. But I want to say this, that learning to love your spouse is going to be the greatest key to a healthy relationship. And we can learn that from the love of Jesus. He gave us unconditional love. He said, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep leaning in. I'm going to keep pursuing. And so just honoring Parker in that, man, like the endless pursuit of learning to love. So if you're in that tonight, you're in that space of going, I've tried everything. Man, be the one that leads out. Be the one that says, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep loving. Because, man, Jesus didn't give up on us. The point of all of this is not perfection. It's about growing together. Man, any of our hardest seasons of conflict, of confrontation, which we're going there next week too, has been so growing. Because, man, we will never arrive We are on this constant pursuit to say, how can we love each other better? How can you lead better? How can I? And asking those questions with one another. I mean, we've had several dates that we sit across the table and we say, you know what? Like, where am I not submitting? Where am I not being your helper? Where am I not leading you well? And just asking the questions, just putting it out there. And women, help the men out. Tell them how to love you. It's okay to communicate those things. And it it took us a minute, I think, to figure out that it was okay to ask some of those questions because it takes you to a new level of emotional depth with one another. So many of these uh, roles that we're talking about tonight, we're not giving uh, checklists for. We're just telling you what the Bible has to say about it. And honestly, uh, if you're married in the house tonight, our greatest encouragement to you can be to go to the Lord in prayer and say, we know what your word says. Now, what does that mean for our marriage? We see what your scriptures say. And I just want to encourage you today. If you're here and you're hearing everything that I'm saying and you're thinking to yourself, you guys have lost it. That is not true at all. I want to just give you a challenge. Start in Ephesians 5 and then work your way out into the rest of scripture Dig your heels in deep as to what we're saying, and you find out for yourself what God's word has to say. Don't take our word for it. If you're married in the house tonight, you do the work. You do the work as a husband to find out what God's word has to say about husbands. You want, you want me to give you an easy way how to do that? Say, go on Google. Say, Google, Bible passages on husbands' roles in marriage. There's, there's a few great articles on there that you can read, and just dig your heels in. Open up God's Word. Look in the back of your Bible. Make a course and say, husbands, spouses, and see what God's Word has to say for yourself, and then go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, we're talking about spirit-filled wives, spirit-filled husbands. Holy Spirit, how can I be a spirit-filled wife? 
Help me, lead me, guide me. We want to, uh, before we dive into the questions, because I hope you have questions, we want to rapid fire a few marriage tips. Can we share with you for just four minutes, just some rapid fire marriage tips that have blessed our marriage? Yeah, there's been a lot over the years that people have spoken into us, mentors and leaders that have come in and just spoken life and truth and little like nuggets that we like to call it that we have clung to that are just really practical. If you're single, write it down. If you're married, write it down. Write it three times and practice it, right? So one of the, one of the first things is, right, you, you can't um, grow in your relationship apart from communication, we all know that, but it's also one of those things that like feels very distant if we don't have some practical handles and disciplines around it to actually grow in our communication, grow in our relationship. So something that was shared with us that we have we've tried to live up to pretty, pretty um, regularly is dialogue daily. That means talk to each other daily. You may be like, that's weird, but yeah, have a few kids and that gets hard. Um, dialogue daily, date weekly. When we say date weekly, that doesn't have to be a fancy dinner. It doesn't have to be super expensive. You could go to the park on a walk. You could go on a bike ride. You could get coffee. You could make brownies at home, whatever that looks like for you. Date weekly and depart quarterly. And those have been huge for us. Those have been things that every time that we um, are struggling in communication, we step back to this and say, man, are we talking every day? Mm, that's a, we're not. Let's, like, create more space for that. Um, let's, let's make a couple phone calls every day. Let's like stay up after the kids go to bed and have a conversation. Are we dating weekly? Yes, some weeks are harder than others, but we try. And the times that are the hardest in our marriage and our relationship has been when we haven't lived up to those few things. Um, another thing that we stood at the altar and the pastor that married us leaned in and, and talked to you, three C's for you. Um, don't compare. Don't compete and compliment. Don't compare, don't compete, and do compliment. Two don'ts and a do. And there's been several times in conversations and arguments, heated conversations, um, that we've looked at each other and it's like, oh, we're comparing. Or in our spirit, the Lord convicts and says, mm, you're competing. And whenever we stop ourselves, because we've set some certain boundaries, certain things in our lives that we say we won't go there, then God blesses those. Yeah, there's, uh, it's actually, that, those three C's are good ground rules for arguments. Yeah. So if you're ever in an argument and you're just finding yourself comparing to either someone else's situation or someone else's spouse, you can say, we're comparing. And it should be a good ground rule for you to stop what you're doing and stop. Same for competing as well. Yeah. Uh, next is um, the 72-hour rule. What is the 72-hour rule? It's have sex a lot. And so this is just, it's the 72-hour rule. You know, uh, if, you're, if, it's, if you've gone 72 hours, hey. Um, am I supposed to say something? It's kind of been a minute, you know. Um, no, but this 72-hour rule was spoken over our marriage as, as, a, as just a general rule to say like, hey, let's make intimacy uh, a regular occurrence. And uh, in Scripture, we see uh, that sex is used for a lot of different things, uh, to fill uh, desire, hello, and then to procreation, uh, to, you know, reproduce other little human beings, which is also good. But if you read Scripture, they, they say that you'll understand that Scripture is actually more than just the physical. 
it's spiritual. Come on. And if they could, there could be an argument that it is actually in the confines of marriage that scripture is actually worship. And I will praise you in the storm. Hallelujah. It's worship every day. Hallelujah. It's worship to our God, and uh, we believe that it's spiritual. Paul even goes on to say that uh, you should continue having sex. You should only stop if you are in times of prayer. So unless you're in 40 days of prayer and fasting, uh, you should have sex regularly. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to that a little bit because it's um, easier for a man to say that. Can I say that? Okay, sometimes it's easier. <laughs> it does depend on the person. But I want to speak to that in the sense that um, we, we've talked through some of our hardest seasons in our relationship is when we've been least intimate. And so if you're going, you know, we're, we're really struggling in our relationship. There is an emotional piece to intimacy that only comes through the act of sex. That's right. And so just speaking life into that, into your marriage of saying, man, if it's been hard, if that's been an area of struggle, pray for the desire. Pray that the Lord would redeem those pieces and places that, that are missing. That's right. Because our healthiest seasons have been when we've been having the most sex. That's right. Amen. That's Not that it's all about that. There's so many different elements. But it is an emotional I see all the singles out there. <laughs> come on, come on, it's going to come. <laughs> so I just wanted to speak that word. And then uh, you can have control and you can have intimacy, but you cannot have both. You can have control or you can have intimacy, but you cannot have both. And this is why I love in uh, chapter 5, verse 21, where it says to submit to one another. And well, I'm not going to submit to anybody. Well, then you're not going to have intimacy. And then the final thing is uh, the order that we see in Scripture. God first, spouse second, kids third, and then everyone else in that order. So just if you're in the room tonight, I love you so much. You are a solid fourth or fifth in my life. <laughs> it's just, you know, she's first, kids are second. And then whatever I can do for you, I and love you too. And then we have five kids, so really you're like. So, yeah, so then you got to choose which kid is, uh, you know, first, which kid is second. It's a whole thing. Like, it's, it's no, I'm just kidding. They're all, they're all third. All right, uh, let's, we got a, a couple more minutes for a question, questions, one or two questions. Uh, let's see, first question. How should a marriage be influenced or not influenced by extended family, i.e. parents, siblings, etc., etc. The scripture says that a man is to leave his father and his mother and to cleave to his wife. So to what extent should a husband and wife be influenced? Well, let's see at what order they are in the uh, mix there. They're, they're, a, they're a lot further down the order than your spouse. So um, I would say that 100% the greatest amount of influence should come from uh, God first, one another as best as you can, and then uh, the godly headship that you've put yourself, submitted to, the leadership that is in the church, and any biblical counsel that you can get from them as well. So I'm not saying that the parent doesn't have influence, uh, especially, you know, if you're uh, in the house tonight and you have wonderful influences of what a godly uh, marriage has looked like that is aligned with the Bible, but um, I would say... First, seek God in prayer. Second, seek him in his word. Then, influence for your spouse. Then, biblical counsel over your life. Either that is somebody that is, uh, you admire as a couple that align with the Bible or uh, 
heads up in the church, and then your parents and siblings. So they're pretty far down the line. Second question. God invented marriage. What about marriage that, ha- that failed? Where is God in divorce? Maybe you want to speak to this? Or you want me to? I would say that it is not in God's plan for anyone to get married and become a union as one and then to get divorced. It is not God's plan for your life, and I believe that it was not God's intended purpose in creation. I say all that to say that many of the people that are in the house tonight have been divorced. Many of your parents have been divorced. So what happens now that I am divorced or that my parents have divorced? What does that mean for me? I want to tell you right now that our God is a God of second chances. God uh, can forgive you. God can heal the brokenness that is in your life. And I believe that whatever situation you're finding yourself right in, maybe you're divorced, I believe that God can heal you of that. And I believe that God can have a special plan and a purpose for your life to fulfill a calling that he has on your life in that. You do not have to live under the identity of divorced. Just like I don't live under the identity of I'm married. Our identity does not come by what others say about us, our situation or circumstances. Our identity only comes from God. So you are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And God has a very special plan and purpose for your life. If you're married here today and you're thinking to yourself, I kind of don't like my husband. I kind of don't like my wife, and I want to get divorced. I want to encourage you right now with a statement that I believe uh, has helped us and might encourage you. If you don't quit, you win. Stay in it. Pray. Believe that God has something special for you. Get people around you, and we want to walk that journey with you. All right, last question. How do these roles play out in dating or singleness? Come on, that's good for all the singles in the house. You know, as we think through these roles and as as you that are dating or single, I think it's important that you write down some qualities in a man that you're looking for. That you look to scripture and you you size up to scripture what you're looking for. And as we talked about a lot, it's a posture. You're not looking for perfection because you'll never reach that. The man that you're searching for will never reach perfection. But keep moving where you are. Keep going. Don't be stagnant in your waiting. Man, a guy, a guy can't chase you if you're not running. So when you're running hard into your purpose and your potential and you're going hard after the Lord, man, shout out to Ross for his message last week. Go podcast that because that will answer a lot of these questions. But, man, it's so good when you're postured in a place of complete surrender to the Lord and you know what Scripture says, don't be equally unequally yoked. Find a man who loves Jesus and is serving Jesus. Go hard after that. Write down some of those goals and pray for it. God will bless that. That's good. There's so many more questions that we are going to tackle next weekend. Y'all have submitted some amazing questions. Uh, and maybe we can hop online on Instagram, maybe answer a few of these questions this week. That would be fun as well. And so keep the questions coming. We would love to answer as many as we can. Uh, we're going to close with a final song. But then I-, I wanted to share this for just a second is, uh, especially as we're talking about marriage, Marriage is a beautiful symbol of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here you have the union of people coming together, and he gives us these specific roles, and he says that it is like Christ and his church. How many of you know that, the, that we are called the bride of Christ? 
and that God pursued us. And it's so important that we lean into these specific roles because as we lean into what God says about marriage, guess who else we learn about? God. We learn about his love for us. We learn about his love for the church. It's so much bigger than a husband and wife. There's so much more going on. And our mission at Pinewood Church is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. And we believe that one way we can do that is to talk about what God has to say about marriage and point you to how much God loves you, how much Jesus loves you, and how much he has a plan for your life. If you will go ahead and stand to your feet, we're gonna close now with a song of response. During this song of response, I'd like to encourage people, take this time to pray. Say, God, I wanna be a spirit-filled husband. I wanna be a spirit-filled wife. If you're single in the house tonight, say, God, I wanna start living these principles right now in my life so that not when I'm married, but right now, I can start being obedient to what you've called me to do. God, we love you so much. Thankful for your word. Thankful for the authority that it has on our life. God, I'm just grateful that we don't have to look to culture to tell us how to have a marriage, but that we can look to your word, your perfect word to tell us how to, how to live, how we can have hope in a very hopeless situation, uh, how we can have life again in a marriage that maybe has felt stagnant or dead. Father, we pray now that you would speak to us during this song, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back. <laughs>